Yeah, church, um, the sun has been shining. It has been nice outside. I actually spent time outside, even though I don't like the outdoors. I got a little bit of a tan. I hope you were able to go outside as well. Um, We're going to continue walking through our series in the Psalms. So if you would please open up to Psalm 13 with me, we're going to stand for the reading of God's word. So please stand with me as we read from the Psalm. Psalm 13. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Have you ever been censored? Have you ever had a moment in life where someone tells you, hey, don't say that bad thing or that hard thing, and it feels like you can't properly express yourself? Well, when I was in fifth grade, um, I had a moment where I was censored. We had these guided reading groups, right? We all were reading the same book, but uh, once a week we'd go to the back with the teacher, about five or seven students, and she would lead discussion as we discussed the book that we're supposed to be reading, and I almost never actually read the book, so I wasn't paying attention much. But in the discussion, I remember a moment where she asked a question, and there was something going on in the book, And it moved in my heart. And there was things going on in my personal life that just kind of overwhelmed me. And I kind of word vomited them for a quick second because my stepdad had just recently been deported just a few weeks ago. And then my my mom had to start taking another job to help support us and put food on the table. And so the book kind of overwhelmed me. And so I just kind of spewed this in this little group of fifth graders as we're talking. And my teacher looks at me and she says, hey, don't talk about that. We don't talk about those things here. And she quickly went on with the rest of the discussion. At at that moment, as a little fifth grader, I, I thought I was in trouble for expressing my feelings. I thought it was a bad thing that I was sharing what was going on because I was hurting on the inside and I was confused. And from then on, it created this crack in my life to where I thought it was no longer okay to express my feelings or to express what was going on in my own heart. And to this day, I struggle with emotion. I struggle with empathizing with people. I struggle trying to understand what's actually going on in my own heart at times. And I... I, because of this and similar situations that have gone on in life, as I've grown up, I just feel like I can't properly express myself completely. And I feel like I've been censored at different moments in my life. And the truth is that in our culture, for years, we've decided for whatever reason that it's not okay to share hard things. That when conversation, in conversations with people, we actually shouldn't share what we're feeling right? We've heard expressions like, hey, men, you're not supposed to cry. Women, you're probably way too emotional. Well, rub some dirt on it. Or, or, hey, don't be a crybaby. Just work on yourself on your own time. You've probably heard these to some extent, and it might have happened even to you in your life as you continue to walk. 
But the beauty of our great father, the beauty of the God of the universe that loves us so much is the fact that he doesn't censor us. And as we go to the Bible and as we read it, we read of stories of people crying out to God and God doesn't censor them. And the Bible isn't censored because they cry out to God and we get to read for that. We get to read those things. And that's good news because we know that we can go to God with our problems and we know that we can go to him completely and fully and he doesn't censor us, but he wants us to be ourselves and he wants us to go to him with our complete emotions. And so we get to read of pain and hurt, but we get to read of a God who wants to hear of that pain and hurt in our lives and how God is still good even in the midst of that pain. And so today we dive a little bit into pain. So read with me Psalm 13 verse 1 and 2 again. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Clearly, there's something going on in David's life. Clearly, there's something hard that he's wrestling through when he's writing this psalm. Now, we don't have a ton of context for when David wrote this psalm, but we do know David's life, and we do know that he battled through a lot of different things, right? He was persecuted by his predecessor, King Saul. He lost a child. He, he was persecuted by his own son later in life, and, and much more. David cries out to God, how long, O Lord, will I wrestle through this? And David has three different things, three different issues that he's wrestling through here in this psalm. And the first one we see that he's wrestling with is his relationship with the Lord, right? He cries out, how long, O God, will you hide your face from me? He's wrestling with his relationship with God, and he feels like God is distant. He feels like God is no longer near to him and that God has abandoned him. How long do I have to wait for you to be near again, oh God? How long do I have to ask for you to show up? David believes it's been so long that he's like, just hurry up already. I'm tired of waiting for your presence. Would you please just show up, God? How long until you come back to me? His first problem is theological in his relationship with him and the Lord. His second problem is internal. It's within himself. David wrestles in the text, right? We read of how he has sorrow in his heart and how he has to take counsel in his own soul. And so he cries out to God, how long must I take counsel in my own soul? How long are my internal thoughts going to continue to rule over me? How long do I have to battle through this uh, just inner struggle that's in my own heart and in my own soul? And it just feels like it's just weighing so much on my heart. So many of us have had that same internal battle that we turn and we go, man, it just feels like I can't take my thoughts captive. And it just feels like this just keeps weighing on me day after day and internally. It's just a battle with my own mind and a battle in my own heart. David has the same problem. David's first problem is between him and the Lord as he struggles and feels like the Lord is distant. His second problem that we see is internally as he wrestles with his own emotions in his own heart. But the third problem that we see is that there's an exterior, exterior enemy, right? He cries out, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? 
How long will the enemy continue to prevail? How long will they keep winning? How long will the dark side continue to win? And how long do I have to wait until this horrible mess is over, until we're in victory again? Oh God, David has three problems in two short verses, right? His wrestling with the Lord feeling distant, his own internal problem that he's wrestling through himself. And then he's got someone on the outside who's persecuting him and trying to have victory over him. David has so many things going on in his life. It's a triple threat. Have you ever had moments in your life where it just feels like day after day stuff just keeps piling up? It just feels like nothing is going right and you wake up the next morning and something else bad happened. And you wake up the next week and it just keeps happening. And maybe it was just for a day. Maybe it's for a week. Maybe it's for an entire month or year or even longer where it just feels like life just keeps piling up on you. And it's just really, really hard to the point to where you drop your phone and your screen cracks and you get so frustrated and you just throw it or you just want to scream because it's just the thing that kind of tips you over. Have you ever had one of those days or weeks or months or years where everything is just piling up on you and it just feels like the whole world is crashing down on your heart? That's what David is wrestling through here in this psalm. We can see clearly that he's got so many things that are going on. David has moments where he's cried out, how long, O Lord, right? We can look to his life and see the different things that wrestled, right? As a young man, he he was anointed king right? Uh, uh, Samuel comes to him and anoints him king, and then he has to wait years until he's actually king. And King Saul, his predecessor, right, invites him into his family and then persecutes him and, and tries to murder him time and time again. I can only imagine David wrestling with God and saying, how long, O Lord, until your promise is fulfilled? How long until you actually make me king, Lord? How long will King Saul keep trying to murder me? We all have these things and these, these pains and, and hurt that go on in our life where, where we ask God, man, how long until that's over, Lord? When uh, I was growing up, my parents divorced um, when I was three or four. Uh, my dad lived in Kearney and my mom lived in Grand Island. I can remember one of my very first memories um, was after spending a weekend with my father And he's driving me back home. And as a young kid, I just looked at him and I said, how long until you're back home, Dad? How long until you and Mom get back together? How long until my dad is with me each and every single day? And as I continued to grow up, um, there was some brokenness in my relationship with my father and I, and, and I felt like I was never good enough for him. There, there was always this feeling that uh, I just needed to win over his approval. In fact, to this very day, I still feel like I have to win over his approval, and I feel like I'm not good enough for him. There were things that he said and ways that he reacted to decisions I made, and I reacted poorly at times as well. It's not just on him, but on both of us, but there are moments where I just felt like I wasn't good enough to be his son, and and I just felt like I had to keep trying in order to earn his love, and in the midst of that, I would cry out, how long until my dad just loves me? How long until I'm good enough for you? How long do I have to keep trying to win you over? And how long do I have to sit here and wait until my dad just says, I just love you because you're my son? 
I find myself to this very day, even after having conversations with my dad about this stuff, just crying out to God and just asking, how long is this wound going to be there? How long until I, I don't long for the things of the past, right? I, was, I said I was outside. I was at a park on Thursday, and I was looking off kind of to the distance, and, and I saw a dad with his young child, probably three years old, and he was just reading a book to his kid. And I sat there and I asked, and I, I wish I would have had that. And it started this feeling of just asking, man, God, how long? How long am I going to have to wrestle with all of this? How long do I have to feel like I have to win over my dad's approval? Hasn't 24 years been long enough, God? Can you just fix it already? You see, we all have these things and these moments in our lives, these pains that break us down that hurt and sometimes just move us to agony. Moments in life where we just cry out because they've lasted years, something that happened years ago, and yet you're still in the midst of it going, why does that still have an effect on me today? Why does that still hurt? And we cry out to God, how long, O oh Lord? How long until we're able to have a kid, God? How long will I continue to have to grieve the loss of my friend or my family member, Lord? How long am I going to have to battle depression and anxiety? How long until I find somebody who just loves me and we get to be married? How long until all of this hurt just goes away? How long is my body going to be in pain? How long until my spouse finally loves me again? How long do I have to be afraid for my life, God? How long until the pain is just gone? How long, oh Lord, we can cry out. But the sad truth is that we have been told for years and for months, don't share that. Don't talk about that. Just keep that to yourself. But the Bible shows us Moments where people just open up so raw and so beautifully to God and they just go to him with their problems and they just cry out, God, this is who I am. And guess what? God doesn't censor them. God doesn't stop them from saying, that's too hard. I don't want to hear you talk about that. In fact, he invites them in in those moments and we can take our problems to God where we can say, how long, O oh Lord? How long until this is all over? God, how long? The Bible clearly shows us that we don't have to be censored in our relationship with him. And we can take our relationships to our, or just our, our pain to our great God. And we can learn from David here that God doesn't want a censored version of us. But he wants us to come with our problems to him. And not only can we come to God with our problems and different hurt and pain that's in our life. But we can also, we can also ask him to answer our prayers. So let's keep reading how David does this in Psalm 13. Verses 3 and 4. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foe rejoice, because I am shaken. David 
begs for the Lord to move. And he begs God, consider and answer me. Oh God, he's asking God to answer his prayer. And the beautiful part here is that not only can we take our problems to God, but we can ask him to move and we can ask him to change our circumstance, to change our heart. We can ask God to clearly do something in our lives and God allows us to go to him and to beg him to work, right? David pleads for God's attention, even when it feels like God's not paying attention, right? We read in verses one and two, he feels like God is clearly distant from him and, and yet David still keeps coming back. It doesn't make sense. Like, if you had a friend who you were really, really close to in your life, and you sent them a text message, and you're like, hey, can we talk? No response. Hey, I've got some stuff going on. Do you have a moment? Nothing. Hey, are we okay? Nothing. You probably wouldn't then run to them and say, hey, can you help me with this problem? You would say, no. They, they've deserted me. They left me. They obviously don't want anything to do with me. So why would I take my problems and ask them for help, right? Yet David still keeps going to God. David continues to beg God to do work and he keeps coming back. And we see in these moments when faith may not have its reasons, it still has its actions. And what I mean by that is that even when God feels less distant and even when it feels like he's turned his face away from us, we can cry out to him and we can still go and we find ourselves still saying, man, even though you're distant, God, I'm still going to ask you to move. Why do we do that? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it's because when faith doesn't have reasons, it still has its actions. Because we, deep down, truly trust and know that our God actually is listening. And that our God wants to hear us out. Deep down in our inner core, we still cry out to him and ask him to move. When faith may not have its reasons, it still has its actions. And the truth is that when we cry out and we ask him to do something, sometimes we can get really frustrated with him, right? Right? Like you, you've been there where you ask God, Lord, would you please uh, save this person? Lord, would you please heal my marriage? Lord, would you uh, just do something radical in my life to give me a fire for you? And, and you get frustrated with God a week later because you think he hasn't answered your prayer. Friends, the fact of the matter is, is that he's not always going to say yes. And we have to learn to be okay with that. And we have to come to understand that God does hear us and he does listen to us. He might just be saying no, or he might be saying wait or he might have answered in a way that we didn't actually expect him to answer. We have to come to the truth that God always isn't going to answer our prayer with yes. But that doesn't mean he's not listening. That doesn't mean that he isn't there. That doesn't mean that he hates you or that he's forgotten you. It just means that he has something better for you. And you just maybe haven't seen it yet. We have to ask God to align our hearts with his. David cries out to the Lord, light up my eyes, O God. 
And he's asking God for strength and endurance in that, right? He's asking God to renew his soul because he knows that his enemy is just laughing at him and mocking him while he's shaken. And he doesn't want his enemy to prevail. And he knows that he can't go and do it on his own, right? Because he responds, light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. David knows that he needs strength from the Lord to keep moving forward. David knows that he can't handle everything by himself and that he needs the Lord. We read that David has enemies, right? We read that he's got people who are mocking him, who who are kind of pursuing and persecuting him uh, in a lot of different ways. David has physical enemies. But for us today, we're we probably don't have a lot of physical enemies, right? We don't have people who are like persecuting us directly, trying to conquer over us, right? But we do have spiritual enemies. There, the Bible clearly talks about this current battle that each and every single day, all of us fight between our sin and Satan. And the current reality that we have to face spiritual warfare is real each and every single day for us today. We do fight a battle today. We do have an enemy in our sin that we have to try and conquer. And when we get caught up in that battle, When we start to try and do it by ourselves, we start to get deteriorated and and we get a little broken down and it just feels like it keeps winning day after day. And it just feels like we can't have victory over this certain sin that just keeps coming back in our lives. And we just say, why is this so hard? And, And why do I have to keep trying so much? But David cries, light up my eyes, oh Lord. We have a battle that we fight constantly. We have a spiritual enemy who attacks. When I was in college ministry, I had a dear friend who I love and walked with and discipled for about a year and a half. And um, we would meet regularly every week. Um, And it was a season of life where he just struggled with a certain sin. And every time it came to the point for us to start talking about uh, accountability and uh, talking about purity and confessing sin, he, he would get frustrated. And he would get really, really angry because he just felt like he never had victory. And he just felt like this sin just kept triumphing over him. And, and he felt like he was beaten down and he struggled constantly to fight this sin. And I, I promise you, he had deep remorse for this sin and he was pained by it and he hated it. And for months, we walked together through different ideas and different things that we could uh, fight this with and different ways to hold each other accountable. And, and I remember one meeting, we're sitting there and, and we're praying at the Father's feet and we're just begging him, how long, God, until this is over for him? How long until you give him victory so that he could praise your name for that victory, right? How long, God, is he going to have to struggle over this? And as we opened our eyes at the end of the prayer, he was weeping. There was a constant battle that he was just wrestling with over and over and over again. And we're just begging God to move and begging God to light up his eyes, to continue to give him strength to run and to have victory. So what do we do when it feels like the enemy keeps winning? What do we do when it just feels like we just keep losing? We pray. 
right? We read David, we read that David just prays, and here's a really beautiful thing that we can see in the text today. David gives three reasons why God should answer his prayer. He doesn't just say, here's my prayer, answer it, please God, but David gives reasons as to why God should answer his prayer. I I know maybe it sounds a little weird for us to give reasons to God as to why he should answer, but the reality is when you're reading your Bible and you see a prayer come up, you can read that the person praying is going to give God reasons. It's weird. Maybe it sounds like we butter God up a little bit. No, but it's for his glory, right? That's why we pray and that's why we ask God to move. David is praying and he asks God to change his circumstances and to light up his eyes so he is no longer shaken or, or, or he's no longer losing the battle against his enemy, right? But he gives reasons to God. He says, lest I sleep the sleep of death lest my enemy prevail, lest they rejoice that I am shaken. He gives reasons to God, and that reason is God's glory. The reason should always be God's glory, because our whole life should be about his glory, right? We read in John 14, verse 13, he says, Whatever you ask, ask in my name. This I will do, the Father that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When we pray in Jesus' name, it is for His glory that He may be glorified. We shouldn't just pray for things and just say, yeah, because it would be a lot easier on me. No, it should be for His glory. Lord, would you restore my marriage so I could share of the victory that you gave us? Lord, would you rid this sin from my life so I could encourage others and tell them of what you've done, God? Lord, would you save that person so they would go and make more disciples so more people would come to know you? We should give these beautiful reasons to God for his glory. We should beg him and ask him to move as David does. We could learn from David as he prays and as he asks God to move for his glory because the reality is his enemies... They, they know who David worships, right? They know that David worships the true God. And so if David dies, if David is shaken, if the enemy wins, they'll think, yeah, David's God wasn't that strong. And so we're ambassadors for God and we're asking, would you have victory for your name, God? Not for my glory, but always for yours. We are at war today with sin. We are at war today with the enemy and we are battling and we can go to God and we can ask him to move in the hard moments in our lives, in the dark seasons as we're crying out, how long, O oh Lord? We can say, Lord, would you please change it? Would you please do something for your glory? Would you rid this from my life so I could chant about your victory over my sin? We can stand firm And the promises that God gives to us, and we can learn from David to take our problems to God. We can learn from David that we can go to God in prayer and ask him to change our circumstances in life. But in the midst of that, we can also learn from David to remember the promises of God. So read with me verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. It's a quick change of pace here, huh? Uh, It's a little different and kind of a little irritating. 
where you're just like, weren't you just like really sad and now you're really happy? What happened here, David? Why did this happen? Weren't you just shaken and now you're celebrating and rejoicing? That that doesn't make sense. Well, uh, David cries out his emotions to God, right? He takes his problems to the Lord in verses 1 and 2. And in 3 and 4, he, he asks God to move. He asks God to answer his prayer and move. And he's begging God to move. And in begging God to move, David remembers that God already has moved. And that God already has done a great work in David's life because he recalls, I remember that I trusted you, God, the holy God, the one true God. I trusted you in your steadfast love. He remembers how God has already moved and that leads him to rejoice and sing to the king. David talks of this steadfast love and God himself is the one who describes himself as a God of steadfast love, right? We can read in the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verses six to eight, where, he, where God is having a conversation with Moses. And God himself says, let me tell you a little bit about myself. And in verse six, the Lord says this. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And David recalls on this great God who gives us this promise of his character, of who he is. And guess what? As you read the Bible, Exodus 34, verses six to eight, most quoted pieces of scripture throughout the entire Bible. Why? Because people remember who God is and people rejoice and celebrate in who God is. And so as David is begging God to move, he remembers that he's trusted God. He remembers that God was merciful to Israel in the golden calf, right? In that situation, he was merciful to them. And David remembers that God was merciful to him. So David trusts in the goodness of God and remembers the love that God has given to him. While the Lord may not have changed David's circumstance, he does remind him of who he is in his steadfast love. And in the heartache and in the pain that we face, we can still go to God as David goes to God and he cries out, but he remembers the salvation that he's given to him. And we can rejoice in the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ while our circumstances may be tough. While moments may be really hard and while we may be crying out, how long, God? We can remember that we still have a beautiful salvation through Christ. And we can remember that pain for a few years is nothing compared to eternal joy with Jesus. We can remember that eternity is going to be so much longer than a few years of pain here on this side of heaven. David cries out, how long? And doesn't that sound familiar? As Jesus took the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and Jesus himself knows what it's like to be distant from the Father in that moment. And because Jesus cried out in that moment, because Jesus experienced pain, we will never be forsaken, church. You will never be forsaken by, for, from God if you are in Christ. And in, it may feel like the Father is distant and far off. And it may feel like he's not listening. But the gospel teaches us that he's never been closer. 
And the gospel teaches us that our God is right there with us and for us. We can have eternity trusting God in his steadfast love and who he is because he gave us his son, Jesus. God loved creation. He loves us so much that he gave us Jesus. And in trusting in God's steadfast love through Christ, we can have eternal glory with him. We could have eternal joy, eternal peace, and no more pain, and no more hurting, and no more anguish or sorrow in our hearts. A few years of pain is nothing compared to eternity and joyful Uh, just joyful bliss with the Lord our God we no longer have to feel like God has turned his face away because the father looks to us as his children through Christ Jesus we can have life in him and if we put our trust in him we have eternal joy and peace and we can truly say while I am weak you are strong we can Lean in to God and we can praise him that we have eternity with him. And we can trust in the steadfast love that he's given to us. Psalm 94 verse 18, it says this about God's steadfast love. It says, my foot slips in your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. My foot slips, but your steadfast love, oh God, that's what holds me up. That's what gives me strength. That's what leads me to rejoice in the salvation of the truth that I have a king who is there. I have a God who wants to hear me cry out to him. I have a God who is near to me and has not turned his face away. We are held up by the steadfast love of Christ as he picks us up off the ground. And he says, I'm here. His steadfast love, it holds us up. The love that God has given to us leads us to sing to him because he has dealt bountifully with us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And while we were broken, lost people, God pursued us and came after us. While we rebelled and worshipped idols, the golden calf, God still came for us. While we listened to our enemies and were or trampled over them, God still comes to us to give us restoration. While we choose sin over him, he still comes for us. While we looked to others for a Christ still looks to us and says, I came for you. In the midst of all of it, we can rejoice in the steadfast love and the salvation that we have through Jesus. In the hurt and in the pain, we can remember the promise that our God did not leave us or forsake us. But he is near and he is with us. For much of my life, I have cried out how long until it feels like my father loves me. How long until he just wants me for me. And in my pain and in my suffering and in the hurting, broken wounds that I have, I remember the steadfast love of Jesus picking me up off the ground and the father looking to me And saying, I approve of you. Because of Jesus. Because of that steadfast love. I have a God who who doesn't turn his face away. A father who loves me so dearly and says, I've not forgotten you. And he says the same thing to each and every single one of us. 
that we can rejoice in the salvation. We can trust in the salvation through Christ, who's conquered sin and death, who gives us eternal life with him. We can trust in that, and that will lead us to rejoice in him because he has conquered sin and death. Our God looks to us and he desires for us to take our problems to him. Our God desires for us to come and ask him in prayer. And our God desires to remind us of the promises that he's given to us, of his great salvation. Our God desires for us to go to him and ask how long, but to remember that he's already done a great work in giving us eternal glory with him. For eternity, we get to praise his name. What a beautiful truth. Now, as we read through the Psalms, um, we want to continue to sharpen our prayer life and just ask God to keep moving. And, and sometimes when we're praying, we can get distracted, right? Like you'll be mid-prayer and you'll go, well, I don't know what to say. Or, or you'll realize that you're thinking about something else. Or sometimes maybe it feels like your prayer is boring because you're saying the same thing over and over again. And one thing uh, to do in those moments, if you feel like that's you, you can pray scripture because scripture will keep you attentive to what the words on the page are actually saying. And so I just want to pray this psalm. I want to pray Psalm 13 with us together to encourage you. Hey, if you've never prayed scripture before, would, would you join us in praying scripture? Would you continue to cry out to the Father? If you don't have words to express, open up to a piece of scripture that expresses that beautifully and just repeat that to the Lord. Just, uh, just pray his own words back to him. So I'm gonna end our time with just praying Psalm 13 for us. So bow your heads with me. Father, There are moments in life and pain and hurt where I cry out to you how long until it's over. Lord, when, when I feel like you are distant, I thank you that I could cry out, Lord, how long until you're near to me again. When it feels like the enemy keeps triumphing over me, I pray, oh Lord, would you move, God? When it feels like I just can't win over sin and death, God, I, I beg you, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God, so that your name would be glorified. Lord, would you continue to work in my life, O God, as I cry out how long in the hurt and my pain and brokenness with my earthly father, Lord? Would you heal those wounds, God? Would I no longer have to cry out how long, but would I be able to just say, Lord, thank you for healing the brokenness. Lord, thank you for looking to me as a father who approves of his son because of Christ, O God. I thank you so much that I can rejoice in your steadfast love and your salvation that you've given to me, Lord. I thank you that I've been able to trust in your salvation God I pray that for the rest of my days for eternity O Lord that I would sing to you because you have dealt bountifully with me God I pray this in your beautiful name amen